Greetings, superstars. Welcome back to Word Up with Danny Katz, your one-stop 5D superhero listening spot. I'm Danny Katz, transformation agent, empowered badassery coach, and quantum languaging consultant. And I'm so happy you're here. Here at Word Up, we are devoted to supporting you in becoming your most authentic, empowered, liberated version of yourself. We do this by sharing quantum languaging upgrades, conscious communication tools, witchy life hacks, planetary service announcements, and high-vibing, deep-diving conversations with original thinkers, visionary weirdos, and rebel badasses. Our every show aims to expand your consciousness, raise your frequency, sharpen your critical thinking skills, and make you giggle. <laughs> Be sure to hit that subscribe button and to join us on Locals at dannycats.locals.com where you can watch the video versions of all our episodes including those that are a little bit too spicy for the non-free speech friendly platforms. And it's also where paid subscribers can tune into the second half of all my interviews and enjoy a plethora of other bonuses, including live monthly Q&As, unpublished writings and videos, and behind the scenes intel. Join our quickly growing tribe of high vibe superstars at dannycats.locals.com. Okay, now that we've got all our housekeeping out of the way, let's enjoy today's episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. Hey, hey, superstars, welcome back to another episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. Today I am joined by the lovely and mysterious Nish, hostess of the Cosmic Salon podcast, as well as my favorite prima donnas of the gutter. Nish and I recorded on All Hallows Eve, so if you happen to be catching the visuals, you might see Nish being interviewed by Kat. <laughs> Before we dive into today's episode, I'm reminding you to click that subscribe button, to like, to share, to comment in our collective continued efforts to get my podcast more reach. As well, let's, let me share the lay of the land. So the way it works here, the first half of this podcast and all my podcasts is totally free and available on all of the audio podcast platforms as well as on YouTube and Patreon. You can find the second half on my Patreon and my Locals pages where paid subscribers get access to all of my second half podcast interviews as well as bonus material, including unpublished articles, essays, book chapters, advanced notice of impending workshops, webinars, live events, homeschool courses, and special discounts on said offerings. It's also where I host monthly deep dives with the tribe. There's um, their membership tier options that include one-on-one -on -one drop ins with me. So it's pretty much a bonus galore scenario that is inviting your participation to support me on either or both of these platforms and to listen to the second half of this and all my podcast conversations go to dannycats.locals.com 
and patreon.com slash Danny Katz. As well, I'm inviting you to sign up for my newsletter at dannycats.com. Given these insane and egregious affronts to our First Amendment right to free expression, I find myself navigating far too much censorship and shadow banning for my liking. Um, I, th- I don't think any amount of shadow banning or censorship would actually qualify for my liking. Alas, as we surf these crazy waters, the best way for us to stay in touch is for you to sign up for my newsletter. I promise I never share your information with anyone else. It's just between you and me, and it's the best way to keep apprised of new podcasts, new books, new courses, webinars, all of those wonderful things. As well, when you sign up, you will get a free PDF, Five Quantum Linking Hacks for Instant Empowerment. And it's super fun. (laughs) I put a lot of effort into my newsletters and I get a lot of great feedback. So I trust that you will enjoy them. Lastly, the holidays are swiftly making their way towards us. If you are at a loss or even not at a loss, but inviting awesome gift ideas for your friends and fam and colleagues, I recommend my books, Word Up, Little Linking Hacks for Big Change is available in print, in electronic form, as well as in audio form. I also have the Pop Propaganda and Illustrated Guide, which is appropriate for teens and grown-ups alike and offers 37 illustrated tools, tricks, and techniques that the social engineers use to attempt to manipulate us. Duly informed, we're then resourced to come together and course correct our planet without falling for said tricks and taking the bait. I also have Yes I Am, a transformational coloring book for kiddos and grown-ups alike. All of these are available on Amazon or through my website. If you would prefer not to buy anything from Amazon, deep bow and much respect, message me privately through my website and I will arrange for a private sale. While you're on my site, I recommend checking out the webinars. They also make great gifts. And I think that does it for housekeeping. So I'm gonna invite you to buckle up and enjoy my conversation with the lovely and mysterious Nish. to another episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. On today, this blessed Samhain, <laughs> I am here with Nish, with the co-host of Prima Donnas of the Gutter podcast. Nish, I know you have your own podcast. I've been dying to talk to you for so long. I'm so grateful that it's today, this extra witchy day. Nish, how you doing? I am thrilled, and this is a great way to get my day going. I have some wonderful plans tonight, and Ooh. yes, I love that you love Prima Donnas of the Gutter, and before we get going, girl, I just want to say, you look fabulous, as I said privately, but you have one of my favorite smiles out there. I <laughs> love your smile so much. Thank you. I was I was self-conscious of my smile my whole life. That was before I grew the gap just because it's so big. And now I just kind of embrace the ridiculousness of it. <laughs> oh, my God. Gorgeousness of it. You, you're uh, you gleam. I love it. You can't help but smile back. I'm smiling back just so you know. 
Oh, yeah. Well, Nish, I'm so curious. Is Halloween a regular for you? Like, do you tear it up every year? What are your big plans? What are you going as? So I actually, I never go out and tear it up. And I really, I think the last time I, I'm trying to even remember, I can't even remember. I do have a funny Halloween story when I was little, but I do generally just practice every kind of every holiday is mostly on my own in the Mm -hmm. last many many years the last this year is different and uh i have private processes i believe this is a time to honor our ancestors and our dead and Mm -hmm. and look at also how we connect with other people and other cultures that are also doing this in different ways i'm very attracted to how uh, Las Dias de la Muertes goes on down in Mexico. How amazing is that practice? It, when I first saw that and heard it and saw videos, I was moved to tears because parking out in the in the graveyard with your ancestors, with food and in celebration with lights. I mean, this is this is what it's about for me. And and you know, we can tie in all of the the Celtic stuff and all that, but I was. Uh, you know, we're closer in proximity here to Mexico that that is so right here. Mm-hmm. Are you in California? I'm in Washington, but okay. as far as like Celtic lands, you know, that's over the pond, even though I have plenty of that blood, but it's just, I'm in touch with that. I lived in New Mexico for years and my mother loved going to Mexico. I grew up in a house with a lot of uh, Aztec and Mayan artifacts. And so I've always felt really tied into a lot of that cultural stuff just through my mama. Mm-hmm. I love that. I, I feel this very strong resonance with Mexican culture. I don't even know if it's in my bloodline, but in Los Angeles, you know, it was always like, go to West Hollywood and be with the gays for their parades. And that was super fun. But when I found the Dio de las Muertas celebration at the Hollywood cemetery, I was like, okay, this is my (laughs) thing. Like now I can really drop in to this celebration and this ritual. Like then it just all made sense to me at that point. Yeah. It makes sense to me too, because we're, how is celebrating your ancestors, not something that should be universal? Like how is that? Uh, how can you, how can you look down on that? How can you think nasty of that? How can you do anything but go, this just makes sense to me and to do it with food and song and candles with tears and laughter. Yeah. Uh, it just, it just vibes. And I don't think I, as far as I know, I don't have any of those bloodlines in me as well, but I certainly honor it. Totally. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if it was when I moved to New Mexico, cause that's where I am, but I just feel such a resonance. I'm I've, I've surrendered to maybe never traveling internationally again, cause I'm not going to deal with this Michigas on any level. I feel and <laughs> if, and when it, it changes up, I would love to spend some, some quality time in Mexico and Mexico city and really drop in with that culture. Yeah, I, I've had a good time in parts of Mexico, definitely. And of course, you know, like anywhere else, and you know, I've lived in LA, you have to be situationally aware. I, I, I don't care where you are. This is just a reality. And for small town people 
that may not have understood that in the past, I think they're starting to get that. But for those of us that have had a lot of city time, mm -hmm. we know this. I've always been shocked by people that leave their doors unlocked. I, I still know people that do it. I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> No, yeah. no, make it harder. <laughs> I just saw someone here who's like, I, I left my car running to warm up and I ran in the house. And when I came out, it was gone. And I'm like, I'd be shocked if you came out and it wasn't gone. Like, why would you do that? <laughs> it's so sensible. And that's what I'm saying. This like lack of perspective or worldview sometimes when you're in small places and that's fine. I love those small places too. And when I encounter them, I certainly enjoy that sense of safety, but I will be the one locking the door. <laughs> oh yeah, of course, of course. No, I mean, I think there's something to be said for growing up in a big city with that street smarts and then leaving the big cities. I'm not, I don't know if you're living in like Seattle and any place big, I'm, I'm pretty over the, the whole urban frequency myself. Oh yeah. I couldn't get out fast enough. I, I actually, in my heart, I'm a country girl, even though I was born in a, a capital city and I've lived in major cities. I am in a small town now that's trying to become a city. And the more it's becoming, the less I am becoming towards it. I, I want I want less people, Danny, exactly. not more people, especially the way the world is now and how people are pitted against each other over ridiculous stuff that we recognize as something that's manipulated. It's, it's so obvious to people like you and me. Um, but yeah, I, I'm the same. I mean, I'm watching in the past couple of years, there's been such a flood of Californians and New Yorkers to Santa Fe. And I'm realizing this might be getting too big and too urban feeling for me, you know, like it's a little too chic now it's a little too full of itself. Um, so yeah, I, at this point, maybe 70,000 people is, is too much for me. <laughs> oh yeah. That's way too much. Mine is like grown to 19,000, but I li I'm really familiar with Santa Fe. I love it. I love Taos. I, I lived in the Ortiz mountains above that little town they call Madrid, not Madrid, Ooh. Madrid. Ma the coolest people live in Madrid. <laughs> that is such a unique culture in that little mining town. There's just so many interesting things happening. They're all underneath the surface. It's a great space. And I, I lived up in the mountains. So we had to, um, you know, m and I'm sure it's still that way that it's almost like you need ATV from the highway to get to your house. We were off rugged road, off, off grid, the whole, whole thing in an old miner's cabin that had, uh, a straw bell house attached to it and then a whole bunch of straw bell buildings and it was terrace. It was a beautiful, beautiful space. Mm. And I hope to live that way again, but it's not in the cards right now. However, in general, Northern New Mexico is my second favorite place. What's your first? Where I am. Oh, I love that you're living in your favorite, favorite place. That's yeah, epic. You're well, winning it's this part. It's this part of Washington, Danny. So it's the, it's the, it's the West coast of Washington. And so if you cut Seattle out yeah, <laughs> and it's suburbs, then it's all paradise to me, including the San Juan islands. So, so beautiful. So does the vibe, like, how does the vibe feel for you there? It's such like an edgy, 
I, I mean, edgy in terms of geography, but edgy in terms of like cultural engineering and ground zero-ness, like how is it where you are? Well, a lot of it's unrecognizable from the time I've been here. I've, I've been back here three times. So like I left to go to LA and I just, that was the second time I lived in Burbank, actually. The mm-hmm. second time I lived in, in that part of California and it's like the first time I just couldn't get out fast enough. I had really great friends, the underground horror scenes, wonderful, all the people in the business that are not the front front people that you know are that are everywhere are fucking awesome. Ooh, right. I don't know if I can say that. You can say speak super freely. You can okay. swear you like. <laughs> but there as you know, there are a lot of amazing people in LA along with all the nasty, you know, pillow-faced folk. And right. so <laughs> um it, it, it's it's a balance and what I think is going on, Danny, is this balance is kind of hitting everywhere now. So the energetics are weird here. I'm close enough to Portland to feel some of that, especially as that energy is coming here, but I'm also quite removed. So it it seems like they want to annex where I am into (laughs) that area because I'm in the gorge. Okay. Uh, And they're pushing that far out now. And so NASA said it bought a whole huge chunk of land out here in my, in my town, No, in my town on the Columbia river, which is so bizarre. And they have, uh, I can't remember what they call it. They're calling it something. So it doesn't say NASA, but it's actually NASA. Right. And then they electrified my town with all these crazy new cables that I've got. I've had friends come from out of town going, what are these cables? They're like gigantic fiber optic cables above ground. Now I've seen these getting laid underground in Colorado. Right. And some of those cities, they don't like, the overhead wires right we've got all this stuff that's happening very fast and a lot of people containers are being built now and this this housing that looks like it's future projects right you know that same kind of housing it kind of looks all right on the surface but I can see its future and you know it's all going to be like smart and surveillancey which for me is like a deal I'll I'll live in a tent I'm not I'm not doing that (laughs) <laughs> it's it's all getting set up to be that and this is this is what's of importance for me and why hopefully I can ultimately get out. I'm stuck here right now. You know, it's not easy as it was to move around, especially no. moves. Yeah. No. Yep. It, they've it's becoming more difficult, which is a a little bit worrisome. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely like cuz I'm noticing the pace of this is interesting. A lot of the pieces are much faster than I thought. And then a lot of the pieces are slower, especially for those of us who know how it's going. So I just keep reminding myself, like I live in the future, plenty of time to build my sovereign fortress. You know, I'm, I'm just, it's a lot of like mental chatter around getting through my first apocalypse, at least in this, in this incarnation. I love you. I love you. My first apocalypse. Yes. Yes, girl. Um, it, it It is. It's very tricky. And the thing that makes it hard if you are not participating in the land of the dead, like Black's Law Land and all right. that, 
um, it's it's even trickier because they're really cinching everything in via crypto everything and it's becoming very hard to sidestep that so like in the old old world which i'm calling what was before 2020 mm-hmm. it's because we're not in that world anymore no. like let's take um midwives for example so in illinois when I lived there, midwives were absolutely like you'd go to jail, like real midwives, not nurses that got the certificate and you're in the hospital, but you're still a midwife girl. And um, no, I'm talking about the old school and they're almost all women that come in and these are old school births. This mm-hmm. is, you're in like the best of hands you could possibly be in. And it's all really underground. It's super underground like things like that have had to be for so long and including the different kinds of say exchange for services kind of stuff currency and all that and then so they come in they help you birth your baby they go through the whole process of the of you know from the beginning when you decide that if you've been able to contact the network and get into the the midwife circuit Mm-hmm. there's um in illinois there's a certain well there was i don't know anymore but you know there's this whole comfrey would get passed around and um was one of the signs if you had it in your front yard because a lot of people think comfrey is a weed oh, there's it was like one of those things um just like in old sicily i have my papa sicilian mm-hmm. and the chimaruta you, you could recognize others with the chimaruta And so it's like signaling like that. And then word of mouth. And then, you know, someone will contact you. And then it's a process all the way to the end. They deliver back your your placenta. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All this important stuff. Your baby's not in the record. It's not a straw man. It's not sold on the market. The whole process. These are real midwives. And that network is very, very real. But what are we going to do now? Because it's difficult at any junction now to even communicate. You can't trust like the emails with this. If say you're a midwife, it's very, very difficult. And because everything is on a blockchain now or moving to a blockchain, the crypto aspect, which was sold to us one way, and now we see the way in which it's going to play out right so there's this all these unseen tethers of control and really truly i'm going to name it for what it is slavery around us and the underground healers the underground people that don't want any part in the land of the dead are uh i'm supposing finding new ways to communicate but it's not going to be like it was I think we're going back. I think we're going back to snail mail, to checks, to like a, a slower, more analog. It's the only way I can see being able to maintain our privacy and our sovereignty in the midst of the sham show. It is it. Well, it the whole point is to get everyone registered and tagged. Of course, but we're not going to do that. (laughs) No, well, we certainly aren't, but it's not willingly, 
But the thing is, and people don't understand this, and it's almost impossible to just be online right now with all the user agreements. I mean, there's just so many ways we're becoming ensnared that we don't realize the depth of it. Now, this isn't, in, this is separate from saying, taking something patentable into your body where you've actually then signed away your control of your, your ownership of your own vessel. And this is outside of the legal uh, Black's Law system. This is a separate thing from your, your placenta that had been sold at birth, right? right. This is a new, this is like something point oh, new point oh, and it's a deeper way to ensnare people that they're not aware of. And it's part of how we're becoming uh, pulled from what we consider the natural world deeper into the facsimile of that, which is now the digital world, which is including uh, all these states of virtual reality, augmented reality, etc. There's going to be a point where, well, the, the the, the receipts are already there. So there's a lot of chatter right now where you're getting these eye um, procedures to help your site, but they're also some of them have all this stuff people want where it can have some digital ability to hook up into systems. This is out there. And the thing is, I think we've seen enough stuff through pop culture, through the way things are moving, and then the chatter starting that that's that's own tech and then if you are patented and have signed away your permission with your your bio suit um you know they're talking about turning off your eyes if you don't pay and so you go blind right and you have to pay it's going to be similar to and this is just a little bit of my um side psychic eye the periphery it's going to be similar to what adobe did you used to own your adobe photoshop and all right. that now it's in the cloud you can't own it you have to actually pay a monthly fee to right. access it this is going to be what goes on with all the tech people are taking into their themselves via progress and uh what they're saying is uh well what they're saying is uh for the good of all but we know goods are sale human sale and all this Ooh, for really the, yeah and and good for the point. betterment there's no betterment for you here i mean there is just unless you've got all the money in the world and feel fine about paying for the use of your eyesight and whatever the use of something um, you've got your body, first of all, but say you have an augmented arm, say you got bombed, you know, something terrible happened and you got a prosthetic. How wonderful is it that we can do that? But how terrible the application will be with the way they are looking at this in the future. And Danny, that whole thing about you will own nothing and be happy. Well, that actually includes your body. And do you think that there's going to be a point in this where the like the people who are going on with it are going to hit is like, is there a point with them where they're like, okay, now this has gone too far and they're going to snap out of it? Or do you think that they're just completely gone? I think that there is a big wave right now where people are going, this has gone too far. And I think ultimately when you, we start seeing this deeper control where you have to pay to continue to, well, maybe use your body, any part of it, uh, people will protest, but 
they are already owned by these patentable companies. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, there's a whole bunch that can say about the three main companies that basically own everything in our lives. Is this the Vanguard, BlackRock? And State Street. They all, yeah, and they're all intermeshed and own within each other's companies. And now there's an above that. That's the pyramid of money. And the pyramid of money is one thing and money gets you so far, but there is way more beyond the money. So following the money is great. That's fantastic because most people are in the slavery system of monies. Right. And, and so it's good to know how all that works, but there is way more going on above that level that deals in an interdimensional frequency field. And this is when we start talking about things that are um, a different currency, say the soul element. And Mm -hmm. because the soul is considered an element in some circles, not an intangible thing. It's actually absolutely acknowledged and is something that can be mined from, Mm -hmm. well, human humans. I mean, I feel like I'm experiencing that. I feel like we all are where there's so many people who were in my life who were close. And I'm like, wait, what happened to your soul? Like what happened to your, your humanity, you know, in addition to the critical thinking aspects, but when you're talking about like these interdimensional beings or interests, is this like the secret societies? Is this behind slash above the secret societies? Are we now delving into realms of no longer human? Well, we're definitely not talking about humans. And I think it's one of the ways to consider this is permeability. So if you think about how, um, or buoyancies, buoyancies is a good way there. There's a, everything kind of has its own buoyancy and the heaviest, densest stuff sinks Mm -hmm. and, and then it moves up in buoyancy. But just because something's dense doesn't mean it has no value, especially in the physical realm, because it's, you know, the dense things down at the bottom of the water, for example, can be very valuable and things people seek after. But then there are very buoyant things that are also valuable. So if we look at this esoterically through, say, an interdimensional lens, and we start to understand maybe that some of our energetic bodies that are hard to conceptualize mm-hmm. are playing a part in buoyancy in buoyancy in the field now people need to understand what field what the field is now i'm i'm in the tesla camp of the etheric field and that stuff all makes sense to me all that math makes sense to me steinmetz makes sense to me and so i'm kind of coming at that but this is interdimensional so the money the monies that people follow, that's in the physical plane. That's a physical situation, but it's got dimension. And the dimension is where these things that I'm considering non-human, but very much uh, real, get access into this realm through permeability. So through actually using our bodies, using a human body as say, well, like an avatar or a coat or a car, a vessel. But where does one draw the line here? In the new age, you hear a lot about walk-ins, right? Mm-hmm. 
you hear all this technology around some of these ideas of what it is to be a human being or a homo sapien sapien. And I think we need to be very loose sometimes to understand the deeper meaning. Uh, and I appreciate people that get very narrow-minded and hone in and practice you know, the absolute deconstruction and then reconstruction of hard stuff. But there's much more in the world around us than just that kind of science through materiality. Mm -hmm. And so this idea has to expand for people it, within people to understand it. But yeah, like one of the ways people understand this concept is through demonic possession mm -hmm. that's limited that's very limited, but most people, whether they believe in it or not, kind of have an idea what that is. A right. demon has taken possession of a human body that people can understand. Well, if you think about other things out there and they may not all be bad, I, I'm not here to give a character judgment on that. I'm just saying that there's the vessel, the terminology has been around for thousands of years. It's mm -hmm. just, it's been ping-ponged back and forth through different languaging and it brings us to the current where we are and i think people are starting to get an idea of how all this dimensionality works danny a circle is actually a sphere right from one dimension to the next it's quite different but it's the same thing right right Nish, I'm fascinated by the breadth and depth of your knowledge and how many realms um, and layers of those realms you, you you know so much, you understand so much. I had listened to a bunch of your podcasts with Emily, you know, a few years ago, but I, I really became a fangirl with Prima Donnas of the Gutter, which is one of my favorite podcasts. I, <laughs> I love, love it. I love it so much <laughs> how you guys tackle fashion and pop culture. And it's just like such a rich area. And the way that you'll deconstruct things and take it back to, to different centuries and what was in vogue then. So I'm very curious about your path and how you came to know what you know, like were your parents hip to all of this? Did you grow up like not as programmed as the rest of us? Like, can, can you walk me back a little bit as to how you came to be the awesome cultural maven that you are? Oh, thank you, Danny. You're so sweet. I, I've got to say, I love prima donnas of the gutter too. I love, love, love it I'm so hard. I get so excited every time we start tossing ideas and we usually just show up and record girl it, it's um and then i want to definitely give the proper shout out because amy d is a delight to work with oh my god i feel blessed that we we came into orbit and she we just fit so well so and i know you love the miss amy d that i the love d. amy d <laughs> I, like god bless her and i love your guys's chemistry as podcast yes. hosts like you'll be speaking for a while and i'm like damn she knocked that out of the park and then amy comes in and i'm like whoa she took it to another level and you guys keep just like raising 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 it's it i love you guys together it's 
It's good. Well, she grounds me out. She gives receipts because I get so yeah. far out and Amy, <laughs> we need Amy to come in with the receipts because I'm just so far out and uh, she does it. She delivers hardcore. So it makes the show dynamic. As far yeah. as me, I, I have had quite a life <laughs> and it was just it. From the get-go of when I woke up in my crib, I, I've told this story a million times, so I'm not going to rehash it all here, but I woke up in my crib and it was in a very specific space that I we moved out of when I was six months old. And when I was able to talk, I communicated it to my momo. She said it could only have been that space. We moved out at what I said, six months. And the, the realization though, that started the journey here was I got in, I thought I was having a sleep paralysis for real. And I'm trying to move and you know how those things go. I'm trying to scream, but I am screaming. And then <laughs> I'm trying to like adjust and all this. And I realized I was in a little baby body and I saw my fingers and then I heard the door creak and then here's my mom you know, and then she's over me saying, hi, there you are, blah, blah, blah. That was my opening, awakening into this experience. And so from that point on, it was a crazy journey, but I've been involved in fashion and art my whole life. Mm -hmm. And uh, then my mother was very involved in a lot of, uh, she liked powerful people. And mm -hmm. so there were a lot of powerful people around us. And I think just being open and an observer, I was always weird. I think a lot of us were, right? Hail to and the how do you define kids. weird? How did, how did your weird express? Well, my weird expressed in kind of almost weirder ways for other people, but because there are stories of me by locating and stuff like this, there's some crazy, I remember these stories, but it's good to have those stories and which is why I scared some of my family, mm -hmm. but I was the, like a lot of us, I was, I was a loner. Mm -hmm. I just didn't fit into the circles around me but I was also scared. People were afraid of me. So I didn't get beat up or anything. Like people were straight up scared, afraid of me, which still happens. And, and uh, is that because of, of a strong personality? Is that because you're witchy? Is that because of your relationship with non-ordinary reality? I think it's a combo. Mm -hmm. I do think it's a combo. And when I was a very young child, it was, um, well, it was definitely a combo then, but I was strangeness has, I guess I'm going to throw this in air quotes, paranormal stuff around me has been very prevalent, like a lot of us. Right. And, uh, but I did do some, some crazy things like there's the bilocation stuff that's crazy mm -hmm. and, and other stuff. So, but yeah, I, I have always been different in my expressing in my adornment. Mm -hmm. So there's that. Um, I went through a lot of hardships. There was some, you know, lots, there was trafficking involved in my childhood that uh, gave me a very clear insight. There was, tra I call it trafficking light because there is, uh, this is like a family thing. And it's probably not the, even the right show for this, but it was, it was uh, almost like grooming, but mm -hmm. not quite because I was in the mix of it. And uh, 
bad things happened. And I was talking about those bad things, by the way, and got shut up and all that. And I'm fortunate enough as one of these people that one of the people I accused that I absolutely got terrorized for accusing later ended up in prison for what I was accusing him of for doing it to his own kids. And he stayed in prison for a long time. And then he got out and became a famous artist. He's now dead. And he was a famous Santa Fe artist. Whoa. And, mm-hmm, and I loved him. I loved him. I've talked about that story a lot, but I got tossed around in that circle. Mm-hmm. And the validation was that I never got an apology, but it's on record. He's on record going to jail for what I said. And like a decade before when it was happening to me and I was being silenced. And, you know, so I have a lot of receipts. I have receipts proving a lot of what I can say where a lot of people don't have them, which is just fine because people like me are saying, I believe you to a lot of people that are having people say, well, where prove it, prove it. And I'm like, I, this person's telling a story. I believe I have receipts. I have direct connection to big stories that made the world news direct connections because of my momo. So is is your mother famous? Is she like high society? She's been dead for decades now. And that was a scandal. Absolutely uh, a crazy story, which I've told. But she was not like, I wouldn't call her, I don't know, you know, fame is such a weird thing. She had... She was known in in certain circles. Yes, quite known, very, very well known. But she was also, you know, she was a model in the in the 70s. And so she had exposure through being a model through, uh, you know, well known means, but then she herself became, uh, how do we say this a scout Mm -hmm. and had her own agency and was scouting for two big agencies that are very well known. And uh, I just, I don't know. So there's, you know, there, there's ties to her being at the White House and stuff. It's, um, it's a tricky one, her story. And it's one where I got when she passed, (laughs) and I'm saying that lightly, because it wasn't her it wasn't it was there's a story there but I was told to walk away by by the legal community around her that I had um, known and had been in uh, communication with all those people when she was alive because well I was her daughter and I was in those circles and so there's a lot there with all that that's like so sorted. I've been kind of releasing some of this with Emily and other people slowly. Uh, and some of it I'm starting to talk about a little bit more, but it's it's just so sorted. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she was well known in circles. She definitely had a face that was out there and mm-hmm. it opened me up to, and here's what I want to say cataloging of inventory human inventory mostly young girls and boys and a lot of these agencies especially in the 80s that you thought were glamorous were actually participating in this trafficking wow it's all real it's all 
real. It's worse than people think. So when people want to talk about people like uh, Tracy Twyman and say it's all bollocks, no, it's all real. What Tracy stumbled upon is just the surface of what what was going on. Of course, we see this with emails released from WikiLeaks, right? Right. Everyone wants to burn the messenger and and totally get uh what do we call it? Gaslighted now from the actual message at, you know, reading the mail, reading the actual mail from these people. If you read the mail, you would never think of any of those people as human again. And most people out there never read the mail, except for people like us that are curious. Yeah. When I'm, I'm curious to know, like, how far back you think this goes. I've had, you know, and definitely with the help of Emily, like, remembered a lot of my own programming and the gross stuff that was done to me. And for my 18th birthday, my father sent me, I was in college at the time, um, the VHS of the Manchurian Candidate. And as a, you know, a proper Jewish American princess, I was super annoyed. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck kind of gift is this for my 18th birthday? Like, I want a Mavado. I want a car. Like, this is stupid. And it didn't occur to me till just a couple of years ago, like, wait a minute. <laughs> I think he was trying to tell me something. And I talked to a psychic about it. And the psychic said, he wasn't trying to tell you about your programming. He was trying to tell you about his programming. And that really upended my, you know, what I thought I understood about MK ultra mind control programs, where I was just like, wait a minute, how far back does this go? It goes way back. And I just got to say, girl, I have, I grew up with lots of Jewish American princesses and we used to <laughs> not say it that way. And I'm not going to say it the way we said it back in the day when we were all feeling it. Um, and so I had a good time. <laughs> oh my God. All the good memories anyway. So I love that you just said that. Um, <laughs> And so with all this, I, it goes way back. This, this goes way back. I think I see it. I see, I see evidence of it in petroglyphs and in hieroglyphs. I see talk of it in old tomes and old literature. It's been with us from the beginning. And now, you know, in the woo circles, there's so first of all humans have never been top of the food chain and that's you know i know that's hard for a lot of people that are really invested in their experience of life and being human but it's true even though humans have domesticated lots of stuff around them including other humans and all this we're still not at the top of the food chain mm -hmm. and this is an interdimensional thing but if so we start looking well, that's that's what we we're talking about earlier with these interdimensionals that are moving through. So I don't like saying things like um, the reptilians and stuff like that because I I don't know. So personally, this for me personally, my experiential stuff has mostly all been the the bad stuff that happened to me was all been by by monsters in human suits right so i okay. couldn't say well that's this or that but they were not human 
mm-hmm. you know, humans just wouldn't do this to little kids. They right. just would not do this. So there, and now we understand that there's this subcategory of psychopaths and sociopaths and, uh, and this type in, in the psychological field. And when there's a lot of psychological profiling done on major characters that we know of that have been those people, that mm-hmm. so the serial killers, the serial rapists, the cannibals, etc. Those terms get applied to this type of person, but these are not humans. These mm-hmm. are this is a Trojan horse. They are something inside of the human. And I think that psychology's gotten in the way, except for depth psychology. Now I love me my Jung, but not the cold of Jung. Mm-hmm. And uh, the psychology has enabled this just like we're seeing now by uh well by terming pedophiles as the new term they have out there for them now right 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 that we're supposed to have compassion for and not judge and groom our children to just hand over to them oh i can't believe that it's got a psychological title and that people are trying to gear up empathy for uh uh what is that even um pedophiles what's their new tag i think it's minor attracted person yes thank you which is interesting because it's the same as maps the psychedelic thing which (laughs) i have my own opinions about (laughs) but isn't it crazy so that's now they're normalizing this just like they're normalizing cannibalism and all this other creepy shit that is to me not a human not humanistic behavior this is something else right and the fact that that the psychology the field of psychology this should be no surprise for people is so deeply involved in all of this mm-hmm. is uh more evidence that tavistock is still going hard social engineering is still very much afoot because these are new terms just like uh sads right sudden adult <laughs> syndrome. I mean, that's a thing on. that's a real thing <laughs> people, people really i mean it, right. it can't be more clear and so this is all at play you know i want to bounce back because i didn't quite answer a question earlier and this was the pop culture question and this was the significance of what amy d and i are doing at prima donna's everything and why we chose to do this mm-hmm. because all this stuff that we're talking about danny all of this stuff is there in pop culture this is the genesis of it and so and and it's really it's hard not to um well, for me, I, I've always loved pop culture and I've certainly been a part of it through the underground as an artist, right? Because you don't have to have people recognize you to be an undercurrent. Recognition is a very, it's hubris and it, it's something because people recognize you. And we see that through historical movements of someone that didn't get recognized in their life was actually ostracized. And then they rediscover them later, 50 years, 100 years, 20 years, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Those are some real true truths out there because they just were not seen. Pop right. culture is your best way if you're looking at it with the correct, I don't say correct, if you're looking at it with a certain stance, mm-hmm. uh, you can look right through it and see where we're being taken 
as a collective because pop culture is popular culture right. and uh, we're being and it's like popcorn it's not just you don't just have one kernel you pop up a whole bowl baby right <laughs> keep eating and eating and eating your stomach hurts <laughs> right and so pop culture will take you there and this is the importance of that so where at one level it's really fun to kind of uh find your sense of what you love moving through something you weren't exposed to before. An adornment is such a great way to do that. Oh, wow. I didn't even know, you know, that you could wear that that way, or look at that as a piece of jewelry. This is awesome and stuff like that. So it, it's cool on that level, but then we see how they're actually manipulating us through very, through a very complex and very curated uh, set of images and ways of being and clothing to wear to represent something that you're being told to represent. And it became very clear to me looking back through historical context at when labeling started to pop up you know why why was it and why is it so many people need to see gucci's label on their clothing right Right, and those interlocking g's like why? yeah exactly yeah why is that <laughs> well i'm not going to answer that here right now but it, it's like wh- why is this important and that's right. a question to answer at you know to look at and question why and it's branding and we call it brand your brand now everyone's brand and we talk about that open but really what is branding and this becomes again of goods of the placenta you've been you've been sold into this slave market through your placenta placenta and uh branding is a part of the process what happens to cattle they get branded or and you know we're chattel we are being branded and we're paying for it on our own and so it's important to know how that's playing out and this is what prima donnas do it's great to relish in it know what you're doing if if that's what you want to do that is fantastic i don't have any problem with it and actually don't have any problem with anyone's ignorance either Uh, do what you're going to do but it's an interesting thing to start questioning why are you attracted to this thing suddenly why do you need a midriff this season why were you in skinny pants the last two years and now you're in bell bottoms you know these kinds of things start asking yourself why do you all of a sudden you didn't like bell bottoms and then now everyone's wearing them now you're in them okay what's going on here girl how'd you all end up in some bell bottom you never liked bell bottom Right, right. I mean, as we're talking, because I've always been into fashion as the aforementioned Jewish American princess, um, but it seems like fashion is social engineering, right? Like I'm thinking back to the 80s, which was when they took women out of the household, you know, post second wave feminism, woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle and put them in these big shoulder pads and kind of had them like emulating men, Right. So as I'm like flashing back in my mind to the different kind of fashion trends that I've experienced, like I'm starting to see fashion as social engineering. 
hundred percent. And see, this is interesting. You mentioned that because in the 1940s was that first wave of those shoulder pads. Oh, that's right. And that was first wave feminism. It was first. Well, it was on the, it was on the heels of it. Cause we got the suffragettes in, right. in the turn of the century. But when women got to this point where they were openly able to just start wearing slacks and big shoulder pads and all this, I mean, bring in one of the queens of this which is mommy dearest herself Joan Crawford this was this was the way forward and then great feminists to the movement like Catherine Hepburn Mm -hmm. I mean uh, who I I grew up loving her everything she said I still do I love her she did so much for our plight and um and and bringing in awareness not just allowing women to wear trousers or um you know, be more boyish. She and intelligent because mostly her characters are, she chose intelligent characters and she went for this. So when the eighties snuck back around, we're in a whole different situation now where it's the glamorous eighties, right? Again, it was like all pop, all fresh. So much was going on in the eighties, a lot of cocaine, a lot of money, a lot of hyperbolic, everything's flash and flare. We got the new age move. The new age movement is getting on fleek there, girl. Everybody was coming new age. Shirley McLean out there on her limb. Right. That's right. And we also had greed is good, right? That that big money push. Yes. And we're seeing this in rap culture that was, that started to actually really get going. It was late seventies. It was happening. It was kind of pushed off from the beat generation with word jazz. And we had some amazing, amazing early rapping going on in the late seventies in New York, just absolutely amazing. And, and then, you know, gangs like, uh, I say gangs because I'm talking about rap games. Mm-hmm. So like a uh, sugar heel gang, grandmaster flash. I mean, these, oh, yeah. these were great. And white line talking the cocaine flowing cocaine white was a line. sign of <laughs> girl, <Iconic>. right? So, <laughs> and that's what we learned to do the freak. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely. So this was, it's all in fun and wonderfulness, but at the same time, it was all being controlled and contrived. Right. And, and this is the thing when I talk about the folk at the bottom level, the folk that are having fun and enjoying these tides are just simply living their lives and they're not aware that there's an agenda behind all this. Right. And that it, that second wave of feminism was going to absolutely destroy and not look anything like the first wave of feminism, which was out there saying women have a right to read, write, and what most of all vote oh. and not only vote, but earn a proper place in society as human beings. Mm -hmm. Now, my great grandmother was a suffragette and uh, I I still have one photo because I've been through two fires, but this was, this was a big deal. This is human rights. And then human rights led into civil rights. And as we started to do these kinds of big cultural movements and shifts, and let me tell you, feminism needed to happen. Women needed to be on equal playing ground. Mm -hmm. It's sad that it had to all of a sudden be co-opted and turned into women as, as little men, 
right? Now, don't right. get me wrong, and I may be unpopular for saying this, but I've always loved a bull dyke. And um, <laughs> because that's what I still, all my old school bull dykes are still around me and they still like the term bull or tomboy too. Right. And, um, and they're not trying to transition to anything. They are happy people who they are living their lives who they right. are. As far as I know, Dykes on Bikes is still a real organization, by the way. So um, I just want to point out that that kind of stuff that newer generations are having trouble with because they want to, they want this plight and they want to bring in people that just like, just like uh, all these other movements, they want to, they want to relate and they want to move it forward, but it's social engineered. And what is happening is there's a big separation happening. So some of my old school gay friends are absolutely put off by everything now. They don't go to pride at all because it's become like a sex fest in front of little kids. You know, it is like anything but pride. And so, you know, like some of my gay ex-gay husbands, um, <laughs> <laughs> I have a few of those myself. <laughs> Girl, of course you're a Jewish American princess. <laughs> it's like we have to, you know, in the old days we called our, it was, I never called myself a hag, but the term fag hag right. lived long. I don't know if it's still out there, but I certainly applied. Right. And, um, anyway, but we were talking about recently how it was edgier so when society got to the point where it was not as bad to just be who you are and that equal rights were starting to happen, that that women were starting to make paces, that gay people were starting to make paces forward in society and all this, this was great, but there was still an edginess. We we're still on the, on the periphery. We we're still kind of others and out there creating a counterculture that was very, very cool. Right. It's not that anymore. And now it's gotten so crazy through pop culture, through all this social programming that it's become cartoonish. And my fear, Danny, is that there's going to be some sort of big whiplash now because of some of this, this new wave of stuff that's absolutely not organic. It's completely 100% engineered. And it makes me very sad to see how shut up we're becoming. Do you remember the meme of the duct tape on the face? Of course. And who's now pushing that the most? The people that have actually been cultures that have been pushed to shut up for real, real first wave feminists, real second wave feminists, real lesbians, uh, real, dare I say, dykes and queers and trans sexuals and transgenders, those people that have fought so hard to come forward and just live a decent life and not push it on everyone, but we have our own communities just like everyone else does. Um, in Chicago is a, is a city of, of cultures. You can go to Devon Street and experience the wonders of India right? Mm. You can go and there's this whole Indian culture. The Most of the people there are speaking in their own ethnic uh, languages because there's different languages through India. People don't realize that. And you go and you experience little India. Then you go to little Italy. You know, I mean, you can go to these neighborhoods all within one city. And mm. what's going on now is everyone's getting pit against each other. And this homogenation 
meme that most people really, when they think about it, you will lose all of your cultural standing. You will lose the things that make you special and your people special by homogenizing with everything is not a cool place. I don't want to be there. I want to visit little India because I want to visit India without traveling to India. You know what I'm saying? I want to see how my Polish friends are, are getting on in their neighborhoods and we come together, we work, we go to school, but they can go home and be in a place that's surrounded by their culture. And it's okay. It's a beautiful thing. We celebrate it. What's going on, Danny, with this? What is happening? I mean, I think they, they for sure are trying to homogenize us. We saw it with gentrification, right? Used to road trips through the country in different towns, had their own different, you know, I'd always seek out the natural food store and everything was different. And now it's all the same. I, I first went to India 99 to 2000. And, you know, I always had to cover my shoulders and cover my legs and wear my hair up. It was all super traditional. I went back in 2016. It was just like women in jeans and tank tops and toilet paper and gluten-free chapatis. I'm like, what happened? So I don't know if we're going to get that back because this has happened. And as we were talking and you were talking about white lines and like the early rap culture, I feel like that was a really big entry point for the social engineers, for the Tavistock fucktards, because through rap music, that came this like doubling down on identity, right? And that was when people started always saying their names in their songs and everything was kind of that call back to themselves and rappers wearing chains with their names on it. And I'm just wondering like how much that has affected us as a culture. Because before that, you didn't really hear musicians reference themselves in their songs, let alone reference how much money they had or how much better they were than other singers. Yeah, I find that there's so much hubris and profanity. And I mean, like the profane, like uh, in in a lot of these uh, different movements, there's like, so I consider, I have categories within my own head. So there's amazing rapping going on out there where there's a message happening and it's not all uh bitches and money right hoes and money and all that and then me 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 all that grossness that Mm -hmm. is just it's just absolutely gross to me and and so that always has seemed like an insert and it always seemed to me like it is very very uh manipulated in a way that i'm wondering how in the loop these particular people are because they are pushing it. So I'm leaving that there, but there, there was always, and there still is the original and the core. So the, the really great rappers out there, wherever they are, I happen to like, um, a lot of good French rap. I love Coco Rosie and you, you know, they're actually rappers too. So, um, you know, so it's a matter of degree on what we're talking about, but it's easy to point out these that you were mentioning earlier as part of the definitely social engineered organization at large. And they create these dramas that are bigger than life and that's because they are bigger than life. That's because these are super dramas. 
And I think one of the clues and keys as to what is real and fake for me in the world is how much visibility is something actually getting. Totally. Which is okay. I want to ask you about this because I did listen to your, I don't know if it's your most recent, but the Kanye thing, the Kanye thing being so big, so loud. Is this organic in any, this just feels so fake to me. Yeah, we well, okay, so the Kanye thing is very nuanced. So what what Kanye is saying is 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 very intriguing because Kanye is following a lot of um so yeah, there's a whole sideshow here that is absolutely manipulated and for us. That's what we get with this level of people. Kanye is one of these uh kind of dark nights. And that's, that's kind of what I call him. He's a dark knight where he, he was the richest black man in the world for a minute there. And now he's been stripped of all this. He's been talking about it. Allegedly, we, you know, we can't take all this at, at face value, but what is he representing out there? He's representing an adversary to the, the machine at large. Right. And, and whether he's questioning the meme of black lives matter, whether he's questioning the MAGA hat and whether he's questioning the, the higher hand of the Jews that he's talking about, which has nothing to do with the Jewish people at large. Right. And, and that Danny is something that I think needs to be really addressed far and wide because just like all the Catholics, all the millions of Catholics are not, you know, that are not standing for what's gone on in the name of the Jesuits, in the name of all this child trafficking and all this nastiness that's come out through the Catholic church. That doesn't represent the folk, the the Catholic people. They are not standing behind it. In fact, they have been hurt by it. So to me, I see this with the Jewish people as well. There is, you can't, talk about these controlling factions and think that all the people that go by or or value whatever the teachings are in a, a said religion are even aware of what those people up there are doing and those aren't humans and that's my thing it, it's like why can't we mention them? Why can't Kanye mention them? Be- right. There's some sort of network. It's, you know, it used to be big trouble to mention, to call out the Jesuits. Right. And, and that came and kind of went, people can openly call them out now. And so now trying to separate this faction of shadow hand from the actual Jewish people is very tricky because they have landed themselves and interstitched themselves so deeply in Jewish culture and they're not Jews. Right. I'm so happy that you said that because I've, I've had multiple conversations about this with other people in our community. And from my perspective, I'm like, yes, we need to have this conversation for sure. But if we're not going to call out the Khazars who are pretending to be Jews and we're not going to really dive in to that piece of it, or, or if they're, you know, another, another piece that you're referencing, then we can't have the conversation. And one thing, I mean, there are a lot of things about the Kanye thing that smelled funny to me. And, and I, I really like Kanye. I think he's super interesting. I think he's an interesting artist. I think he's an interesting kind of Hayoka 
figure, but he he's has, a good show. He's a good he, show. To he's watch. a great show. But <laughs> like the thing with Candace at Fashion Week, which allegedly happened before this, yes. happened just after Candace announced her glorify, you know, payment processing platform. So that so she announced that on October 5th. I think it might have been the 6th that she shows up at Fashion Week, which is, yeah, that's Kanye's realm, but that's not Candace's realm. And then that same week, Kanye says this about the Jewish people, right? And, and Kanye mm-hmm. has said the Jewish people multiple times where I'm like, that feels out of character. But, yes. um, and then he gets unbanked from Chase and I'm like, well, that was so convenient given the glorify thing, mm-hmm. you know? So that's where I'm like, I don't know if I'm really buying it. It's confusing. And, and that's, you know, this kind of where Amy Dean are at with it too, is there's a lot of mixed signaling going on. This is not easy to, this ball is not easy to unwind. It's so say, for example, the Doja Cat birthday thing that is Mm -hmm. set up. That was a hundred percent bullshit. And so what what happened? The last I know about Doja Cat is that she shaved off her eyebrows. (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah, she went through the humiliation stuff that's very common to people who understand all this. Right. And and she and the best way to do that, they they always want you to do it by your own hand. Oh, okay. Uh, because you're still playing your hands still there. And uh th- this is this is a very specific set of um actions if you will and and we got to we've seen this with a lot of people and i've seen this in private i've seen this uh well this happened to my mom you know she ended up with the shaved head too it's there's a whole story there whoa Uh, this is this is a standard practice and we saw a good we got a good glimpse with britney right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. doja cats was more interesting to me than any that i've seen in that she really seemed to, you know, she seemed very unhappy. I hate my job, etc. Now she's shaving her head and her eyebrows saying, I've always felt better hair. I'm hairless, blah, blah, blah. And then we get the black eye situation. And, and then we get this birthday thing and the bir- her 27th birthday. And so Amy D and I really wanted to cover that the 27 thing, cause it's a big deal. But when I looked at just the small clips of, of the birthday situation, I was like, and Amy was like, girl, I don't know. And I said, no, girl, we don't, we're not, this isn't even, we'll make this comment. And this is our comment, basically. This is staged and set up. No way in hell that cake alone, and that was all I needed to see, would ever be from that real hand, the dark shadow hand. Never, mm-hmm. never, never. That is profane. That's Pearl's before swine in a certain sense, it's a hundred percent an act. It was a hundred percent for stage. It was a hundred percent for people who think they understand what these symbols are. Symbols are it's low hanging fruit. It meant nothing. It's a distraction. Mm-hmm. And, and the whole thing, I see where they wanted to go with it was to tie back to the 1972 uh, Rothschild's surrealist ball where we have Dolly there and which is absolutely fantastic by the way I personally remember seeing those photos I don't know in the 
70s or early 80s in like Time Magazine or something because mm-hmm. it had all those big stars like Dolly, the Surrealist. Right. The whole thing was a Surrealist ball. Whether or not they got up to some nasty business after that, I don't know. But as an artist and a lover of art and symbol symbolist artism, art symbolist art and uh, Surrealist art, I I still love it. I don't see anything in that imagery that ever bothered me personally. Uh, I know that I know that those hardcore kind of orthodox people out there, you can't even you can't even flatulate three times in a row or you're all of a sudden satanic. So um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? For those yeah. people, they, they, they're going to do that. But what goes right. on? And we know, we know that these circles are doing bad things. I'm not trying to um, cover that up, but they put that in plain sight and they put it in plain sight for a reason. And there's a reason why people like Dolly were, absolutely at the core of that that's another Mm -hmm. story but we ripple that forward a couple times because there's been iterations of that to what they were trying to make as a loose iteration with doja cat's 27th birthday and it fell flat on its face it's it's a cheap 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 facsimile of that original and it is for it's for all these orthodox people to go oh my god that you know the compass in the square and the eye and the 27 on the black and white cake I mean come on people right it's that easy if it's that easy you are the chump right the real stuff Danny is actually sophisticated right the real stuff is in what you don't see it's between the lines it's for people that have that what we call and how i consider most human brilliant quality synthesizing material Mm -hmm. anyone can learn all the rules to astrology the great astrologers understand how to synthesize the material anyone can learn anything and regurgitate it it is in taking that material and moving it further and how do you take that material and move it further well first of all you're open to the world around you and other material and then you start synthesizing it because that material had come from somewhere else and somebody else that you're thinking's great did the same thing and keeps going back right And so, like, because I know a lot of people think that Kanye is this, like, wild card who's out of control and, you know, is doing good. Do you you think that? Do you think he's being controlled? Do you think he's playing? Is this an op that we're seeing? I think this is, like, the prestige. I'm not exactly sure the full trick here, Mm -hmm. but I do believe there's a trick. And I also think it's interesting that it came within at least a couple weeks of the um, Rashida Tlaib thing about Israel. Mm-hmm. I feel like they're prepping for some big Israel thing. And I see them engineering, I don't know if it's if it's going to be Jews and Blacks or just Jews in the rest of the world. Because I notice in the like woke op, Jews aren't protected in that. They're not part of that. But then you have the weird Israel thing, which is just gross, right? You can't criticize Israel without being accused of being an anti-Semite. So they're yeah. kind of use Jews as body armor to protect that thing. 
And I'm wondering like if we're going to see real deal exposure or if this is just another trick. Well, see, this is interesting. So there, and I love, of course, I love that you're willing to talk about this. I certainly am willing to talk about this. It's caused me some problems. I ain't going to lie. In real life or on the internet? In both. Okay. In both. And this is why I keep needing to make that statement that the Jewish people is not this set of people that are being considered Jews. It's a whole separate thing. They are walking amongst them. It's even in the text, those that are Jews that are not Jews. It's right. in everything. And it's it doesn't just apply to Jews. It applies to all these different, I mean, look at the beautiful Muslim, look at the, um, uh, how can you look at Rumi? And how can you look at the Sufis and mm-hmm. think terrible things of those Muslims? Right, right. I mean, yeah. come on. It, it, it's we need to get outside of these that where uh, you got to get into the nuance because you're going to throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. And everything is nuanced. And this is why it's sophisticated. And this is why it needs people that function at a higher level and understand synthesis of material to really get an idea of what this is. Everyone that's functioning at eighth grade and lower, and I'm being judicious with that, mm-hmm. that's just throwing this pop candy at everyone. It's, that's racist. That's racist. Everything's racist. So farts racist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> those people to me are so insignificant and I just challenge them to start learning how to read and write first. Right. And uh, because there's a statistic out now that people are not learning how to read and write in school because computers do it for them. So when we're back to this whole Kanye Jewish thing. So I want to bring us back where we are, Danny, we're in American culture. Yeah. And, and, American culture is very unique in the world, as we know. And what I was pointing out was Chicago's a great old school. No more. It's a was a great old school town, just like New York, right? Mm-hmm. New York City, where you had a whole bunch of cultures coexisting. Now, there might have been, you know, we got West Side Story straight out of Tavistock, but there might have been, you know, inner stuff. I certainly remember... I remember in the 80s when everything was a joke on Polish people. Do you remember I, that? Oh, totally. Polak jokes were, there were like books. <laughs> Polak jokes. They made really for uh, jokes for the John, the Polak, Polak, you know, series. Right. And so, and you know, I have Slavic in me and all that. And I, I just remember thinking, wow, you know, why, why Polacks? Why Polish people? Why are Polish people the butt of every joke? And it was a big deal. Nobody really remembers that unless they lived through it, but they had joke books specifically about Polacks. Totally. (laughs) That's Polish people, people. And so, (laughs) and I want to remind everyone that a lot of Polish people were actually, and are actually Jewish. I know genetic Jews and in Israel that are my friends that are of Polish descent. Mm -hmm. So, and this is another idea that people don't understand when they're starting to think about what, what culture is, what culturalism is, what natural, what, you know, this whole, um, uh, 
association with identity through culture. There's all the different names for it. It's a very interesting thing. And then from my perspective is, well, we're transient here anyway. This is right. skin. This is actually skin deep to me. I mean, come on. But when we're talking about Kanye and we're talking about his messaging, I have noticed him grouping all the Jewish people into one statement. And that's a red flag for me. Like, could he, could he just actually take the education to the higher level where it needs to be and not blame a whole bunch of people for something they have no idea about or and don't even participate in. So when we come back to American culture, like you and I growing up with a uh, Jewish American princess thing, I mean, that was so 80s. And, <laughs> um, and, and how we were very specific here with multiculturalism. It is just the story of America. When you go to other places, it's a different idea of, of culture because you're talking about culturally rich areas. So you go to Somalia, you expect Somalians, right? right. And, uh, it, you know, Denmark, you expect to experience those people in that culture. Well, Jews are all over. Right. They're all over. And I think people get the sense that Jews are, Jewish people are actually a, a genetic race. Now, it, it, when you do your DNA, you get, you Ashkenazi shows up, right? Right. So you've got that. But I, I just, like any other religion, Catholics, for example, are all kinds of different people. I mean, right. And including ex-Jews that are Catholics. I know so many pagans and new agers that are ex-everything. Right. Right. And so I think that distinction needs to be made. So I think if Kanye is actually trying to let everyone know that there is a bigger move going on, he needs to be very specific with that languaging. And instead of throwing all Jews in that boat, that's that's very dangerous to me. And like you're asking, is are they trying to make this pitting black people against Jewish people? And more specifically, in Kanye's American uh, context, this is playing out in America, just like the black community all of a sudden started attacking the Chinese community recently. Right. What in the hell is going on? And right now, it doesn't matter who, where you are or how, if you are, if you are visually presenting as a white person, you are definitely at the bottom of the boat tote right now. You right. too, as a Jewish American princess, because you look like a white girl. Of course, which is where it gets confusing with the whole like oppression Olympics game that I don't even play. Yes. Um, I think, but it, it, that's the piece that had me, not that I know Kanye at all, but the fact that he is, and he's kind of doubling down, I've heard him say it multiple times, the Jewish people, I'm like, I don't believe that he would really say that. If he wants to call it the, the Jewish banking cabal, like I thought it was funny when um, he was on Lex Friedman and Lex is like, well, I have a problem with you saying the Jewish media. And he's like, why? Because it's redundant. And I was like, that is hilarious. Like, I love that. I think that he's being really cheeky. But the fact that he's calling out the Jewish people and not, you know, the societies or the Khazarians or whatnot, that's where I'm like, this is an op because I don't believe 
I think that he's smarter than that. I do too. And that's what's interesting, but he, he really only started to do this after the black lives matter, white lives right. matter thing. Right. It became when they started taking everything away from him, whomever they are. I don't know who the they is there, but whomever started canceling him from everything for saying we're in the t-shirt with Candace. And, and, you know, we, we have to question everyone, not just, not just who you think your enemies are or who you think is in control. You need to question yourself, start there and then move out. But this thing does smell fishy to me with Kanye because he really does do better in the past with being specific about certain things. And it's interesting that every time he gets a little bit off center, that he gets starting, they start in with his psychological tabs, right? The, the right. Ta- titles, he's bipolar or he's, you know, this again, psychology comes in to make the situation worse. A hundred percent. And I think that's another op that they've been seeding for the past couple of years, this whole mental illness piece, you know, and it's another way to bring in big pharma and Lord knows what else is it, you know, is layered into the pharmaceuticals. But I think that's certainly a piece of it. And I also think it's interesting that he's, he's this kind of, you know, he has his hand in so many places in fashion, in music, in pop culture, It's just, and just given the volume of this, like sometimes I don't even need the specifics. I'm like, just the volume lets me know that we're all being played. Yes. And see, this is what's important because again, richest black man in the world, at least on by the books, right? Right. Huge, huge platform, huge reach through fashion, music, politics, Mm -hmm entertainers of every kind. I mean, he is massive. And so, and he also was feeling at some point that that would get him somewhere. Cause I listened to some of these apologies he's been making and I'm like, mm-hmm. and, and so this, this seems to me right now, Kanye is walking a tightrope. Mm-hmm. Where I think he's trying to maintain, I mean, he got fined $27 million, like out of nowhere. Wait, got, wait, 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 what was this fine for? I, I just heard it on his, uh, an interview with him this last week where they, he just got slapped with this big, gigantic fine. So it's out there. He's talking about it. I don't have that receipt here and ready for me, but if we had Amy D. <laughs> yeah. Amy D would come through. I mean, I certainly hope it's not for what he said. Like, People need to be allowed to say hateful shit, dumb shit. Like we, I, I'm just such a free speech absolutist. Like I, this is also insane. No one, no one had a problem with um, Jesse Jackson calling New York Jaime Town. He wasn't canceled for any of that. That's why it just feels like a show. It is. It is all a big show. But the thing is, not everyone is a puppet in it. And that's the hard thing to understand here because there are, there are people out there saying the whole thing is, is a show. Now we do see, what do we see? We do see a lot of people that seem to be untouchable get into in particular the realm of political influence. And, you know, Kanye has been teetering back and forth in that arena 
And so with right. Candace, with Trump and all the, all of his other political affiliations that have been very public, that we need to understand that something about the political arena, wherever you are, wherever you are in the realm, there is some sort of transformation that happens to these people. Right. I've seen so many people that I thought were good people had a had their heads on straight as far as really wanting to make change for whatever their cause is, go in and turn ghoulish right. and, and not deliver any of it. There's a chance. We even saw this with Trump. I don't care who you are and how you feel about Trump. But I'll tell you what. And I'm not a believer in any of this. I don't think it matters. I'm one of these people that really, this whole thing is a stage. Right. But I'll tell you what, Trump was entertaining to watch. Kanye is entertaining to watch. And so I'd rather watch those kinds of fools than say the uh, really gross, terrible actors like AOC and, uh. Uh, and Nancy Pelosi and right. people like that. These are, they're, they're not as, they don't have as much depth as some of these really hardcore um, individuals that really you can't take your eyes off of. And Kanye gives you that just like Trump did. I mean, look at, you know, who's going to come to Trump's defense as far as his personal life? Girl, please. He has been a terrible <laughs> womanizer and an asshole for a long time. He's got bad business behind him. But, you know, one thing about him that seemed interesting when I, this is funny, when I first saw his tax proposal, when he threw his hat in, Mm -hmm. This is when I lost a lot of friends, by the way, I was still on Facebook and mm -hmm. I read, I read through this thing and it wasn't a gigantic beast of a, a thing. I thought, oh, this tax, these taxes seem kind of actually better than all the other taxes so far. You know, he was explaining um, his tax packet that he was going to bring forward in a way that made some sense. Now, I don't like any of it. I'm, I'm all not having any of that, by the way, right. just letting you know. But I thought that seemed more fair, especially coming out from under the grossness of what Obama did with Ugh. so much. I mean, Obama really signed away American sovereignty and starting with what he, the big tax, Obamacare, right? National health care right. and making everyone, uh, Turn, turned it into a tax and turned a terrible monster. And I read all 1,578 pages or whatever it was. Whoa. Um, I sat through that stuff and I just kept going my mom I, the whole time. And then all the extra stuff that got thrown in there had nothing right. to do with it. So Trump's was really concise. Um, I don't like any of that languaging, but I put that up. I'm like, this seems like the fairest tax deal I've seen if you believe in that stuff. And right. I- I lost like 400 friends <laughs> and this is before he officially, officially ran. He's like, well, if I run, this is what, you know, this is a sign of what my, my tax was. And I had people actually say to me, my hip, all my hipster friends, they're like at that time, at that time. And now I knew Trump was going to run at that time. They said, this is all just a joke. It's going to, it's promoting his TV show. I'm like, no, I, I think this is real. And that was where I started to lose people. And, uh, and then when he did officially come in and the, there's that 
that post, you know, then they were, everyone was just so sickened that, that I had agreed to it and I didn't, I just said, this looks, doesn't look as bad as it, it, my point was, it didn't look that bad. And my bigger point was the Democrats at that time were saying he had no tax plan. So that was coming out of the Hillary camp. Right. Now this is fresh off the hills of WikiLeaks stuff with Hillary and Podesta and all the child eating, all the child trafficking, all the adrenochrome stuff that involved major world leaders across the world that involved the, the, the terrible exploitation that has gone on in Haiti and in South America through Arkansas. Arkansas is like the seventh pit of hell and people don't even realize that. It's so nuts that, so even back then you lost a huge chunk of friends and do you, what do you attribute that to you? Is that straight up mind control? Is there a demonic takeover that has people not even able to discuss policies or, or proposals? You know, like what, what is it that has made everyone so intolerant and basic and insane? You know, there was, I can't remember, and I think it was a season of American Horror Story. I could be wrong. Or it was those guys that put something together. Oh, geez. Oh, man, what was it? It might have been, it might have been one of their sub shows. And I can't remember right now, but it was early Hollywood. And when they first started to realize that they, when I think Louis B. Mayer, and I could be wrong, I do need to look this up, uh, but it was, it shocked me how in, in our faces this was. Mm-hmm. When they first realized that they could use the then talkies, right? The right. early spoken movies and stuff, when they realized they could take their actors that were out of work, that needed work, mm-hmm. they were starving, they needed work, take the out of work actors that had big names when the films be the ones that didn't make it when we went from silent to talkies Mm -hmm. and so big names in silent film not so big when we went to talkies and we had a whole switch over of people so those people who were still friends with all these other people they put them to work doing internal la political campaigning and it was all lies it was all all this stuff going on and that was the birth of kind of the modern day commercial uh political season commercial uh attacks towards each other and it got very sophisticated so this is the birth of it back there it's like Mm -hmm. 1919 or in there somewhere and it might have been in the 20s. I think it's a, it, it was after. So, yeah, it's 1930s. It's after mm-hmm. the stock market. And um, and so we saw the birth of that through Hollywood here in America. And it started really local in L.A. with local politics that were going to get in bed with what some of the big runners in Hollywood were doing. And, you know, David O. Selznick, Louis V. Mayer, all these big monsters there. And uh, this ties in, of course, 100% ties into some of the other stuff we see down the road a little bit later, the Elizabeth Short stuff that is very interesting in 1947 as an example, as a playing card that got laid. Nobody wants to talk about that. Anyway, well, wait, 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 will you catch us up to speed on what that is? 
That's the Black Dahlia. Oh, got it. Okay. And so, and, and that plays into a lot of other stuff I talked to, but what I'm talking about here is the political game. So mm-hmm. when they decide, when this was such a success in LA that political presidential candidates and local governor candidate, this took off, this became an, a sub industry. And that's what we see now. And we we've seen our whole entire lives with the, the, the season of the political commercials that are just vitriol and nasty and nasty. It's so low vibe these days, the mudslinging, like they lost the art of it, Danny. They, they lost the art of it. It's like dog fighting. It's just so trashy at this point. Well, this is where society is. This is where pop culture is. Right. (laughs) And that's the whole point of all this. This is where, because remember they're playing to the audience, right? And we need to always remember this with pop culture. Who are they playing to? They're playing to the audience. Well, who's the audience? The people that are actually watching them and funding them. Now, this isn't the, I'm not talking the big time funders that are behind there with the black budget and stuff. I'm talking about the the person that goes and buys that Gucci bag off of um, eBay because they need that Gucci bag, right? That right. audience, yeah, right. that's a fake, right? That audience. And of course the people that can afford the Gucci bag and they're just that, that are getting pillow face. They're, they're just that vacuous, that, right. that audience, that audience, there's a lot of money in that audience. So this is all about where it's all carny in the end, it's all carny and they just need your participation. However you give it, you give it by attention, you give it by money, you give it by action, you give it by voice, you give it by vote. There's so many ways to get ensnared in this. And this is why it's important to see what's going on through a different lens by checking your emotional meter, by putting your emotions in a chest somewhere and approaching all the material you're seeing in the outer world with that kind of non-emotional place. Mm -hmm. Now it's good to check in with your emotions. How do I feel about this? How do I feel about this? But when you're dealing with it, it's good to keep the emotions out because you need to stay clear. And this unfortunately leads a lot of people to the point where they don't vote, they don't pay taxes and they're trying to check out. And that's great because I'm, I'm all, I'm all in that camp. And, um, (laughs) I, I, all I want to say with that is I love that chef's kiss and then understanding, well, how do you check out? There are ways to opt out, but the problem is you can't follow the ones that are telling you to opt out with join this program and pay this money to get this form. And then you'll just see another lineup of a person going to jail for doing some shit that made no sense. Right. And um, I mean, there's a lot of pitfalls here. This is all like the land of the dead and it's all like the, the waves say, tomes like the Egyptian book of the dead are going forth by day are talking about navigating this hellscape because everything kind of is sticky. Everything kind of has a little bit of a trap to it. And the further into the digital realm we get, the harder it is, as we were talking about earlier. And everything that we're experiencing in culture right now, if you're seeing it and it's got 
a high volume of people. It's getting splayed everywhere. It's serving two purposes. It's one purpose is probably to distract you from something else. And another purpose is to keep that adrenaline going and to drain those adrenos to keep everyone in this massive trauma event that is ongoing. much for tuning in to the first half of my conversation with Nish here at your favorite podcast, Word Up with Danny Katz. You can find the second half of our rollicking chat on both my Patreon and my Locals pages where paid supporters get access to all of my second half conversations and oodles of other wonderful things. You can uh, make your way over to those platforms at dannycats.locals.com and patreon.com slash dannycats. Before you do, I'm reminding you to click that subscribe button, to like, to share, to comment, to remember that you are omniscopic amazingness. I'll see you on the flip side for the second half, and I'll see you here next week with another amazing interview at Word Up with Danny Katz. See you later, superstar. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. Be sure to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. And as you are inspired to learn more about my quantum languaging work, about my books, my homeschool courses, my transformational and empowered badassery coaching, check out my website, dannykatz.com, as well track all of my latest content on my locals page, dannycats.locals.com. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you soon, tribe.